Chapter Six of the Fairy Spinning Wheel and the Tales It Spun. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. The Fairy Spinning Wheel and the Tales It Spun by Catul Mendez, translated by Thomas John Vivian, eighteen fifty-five to nineteen twenty-five. Snowheart. There was once a kingdom in which lived a princess so lovely that all the world agreed that nobody as perfect as she had ever been seen in it before. Her beauty was altogether thrown away, however, because she would love no one. Notwithstanding the prayers of her parents, she disdainfully refused all suitors who came to ask her hand. When the nephews of kings or the sons of emperors came to the court to propose for her, she did not even condescend to look upon them, no matter how handsome or young they might be. "'What is the use of troubling me about such trifles?' she would say, turning her pretty head away. At last, on account of the coldness which she showed to all persons at all time, the princess was named Snowheart. In vain her nurse, a good old woman of great experience, spoke to her as follows, with tears in her eyes. "'Take care what you are doing,' said the dame. "'It is not right to answer those who love us with all their heart, with cold and cruel words. "'Do you mean to tell me that among all these handsome youths, who are so desirous to obtain you in marriage, "'there is not one toward whom you feel some tenderness? "'Take care, I tell you. "'The good fairies who have granted you your splendid beauty,' will some day or other grow angry if you continue to show yourself a miser of their gift, for what they have given you they wish that you should share with others. The more you are worth, the more you owe. Our gifts must be measured by your riches. What would you do, little one, if your protectors, angry at your indifference, should abandon you to the wickedness of certain fairies, who only rejoice in doing evil, and who are constantly hovering about young princesses to find a chance to carry out their wicked intentions. But Snowheart took no account of these good counsels. She only shrugged her white shoulders and admired herself in a mirror, an occupation in which she found all the employment she needed. As to the king and queen, they grieved more than anyone else over the indifference of their daughter. At last they came to the conclusion that some evil spirit had taken possession of her, and they sent out heralds to all the countries of the world, proclaiming that they would give the princess herself to whomsoever should deliver her from the magician of whose power she was the victim. Now it happened about the same time that there lived in a great forest nearby a hideous woodchopper, crooked in every part of him, and who limped when he walked because of the weight of the hump on his back. He was the terror of all the country round, for most of the time he paid but little attention to woodchopping, and hid in a dark ravine, waiting for unwary travellers, springing on them, and then cutting off their heads with his axe at a single stroke. That done, he would empty the pockets of the corpse, and, with the money found there, would buy food and wine, with which he stuffed himself, in his hut, yelling for joy all the time. In fact, this wicked man was far happier at times than many honest persons, that is, so long as travellers passed through the forest but the forest soon grew to have so bad a name that even the bravest people went far out of their way rather than pass through it. Deprived of his horrible means of living, the woodchopper nearly perished. For several days he managed to exist on the fragments of his feasts, 
gnawing the bones and licking out the few drops left in the bottom of empty bottles as you may imagine this was but poor fare for such a drunkard and glutton as he and then the rigours of winter came and filled up the measure of his discomfort crouched in his hut through which the wind blew and into which the snow fell he almost died of cold and hunger while he dared not seek help from the people of the neighbouring village because of the hate which they bore him you may ask why he did not make a fire with the dried branches and leaves that lay about him he did not because both the wood and leaves were so full of frost that there was no way of lighting them one would suppose indeed that in order to punish this wicked man an unknown power prevented the fuel from taking fire however that might be the woodchopper passed many unhappy days and still more wretched nights near his empty cupboard and cold fireside and to see him thus thin and shivering you would surely have pitied him had you not known how truly he deserved his present misery by his past crimes however there was somebody who took pity on him a wicked fairy called melandrine it was her pleasure to witness evil and so it was but natural that she should love those who did it one night while he was most forlorn and desolate his teeth chattering with cold and his fingers crippled with chilblains melandrine appeared before him coming up out of the ground she was not a beautiful fairy with garlands of flowers in her hair nor did she wear a dress of brocade covered with dazzling embroidery of precious stones she was ugly bald as humpbacked as he and as ragged as a pauper you would surely have taken her for an old beggar woman on the highway for when one is wicked one cannot be pretty even if a fairy don't be cast down my poor man she said i am come to aid you follow me very much astonished at this apparition the woodcutter followed melandrine to a clearing in the wood where he saw great drifts of snow heaped all around now then said she light a fire ah he cried shivering snow will not burn that's just where you are mistaken she cried take this sprig of wild bean which i have brought you and you need only touch any of these snowdrifts to have as jolly a fire as you wish he did as she directed and judge of his astonishment when scarcely had the sprig of wild bean come near the snow than the white flakes leaped into flame as though they had been made of tow while all the clearing was illuminated by the merry light from this moment the woodchopper although he still continued to be hungry no longer suffered from the cold for no sooner did he feel the slightest shiver than he gathered up a heap of snow whether in his hut or on the road touched it with his wand and warmed himself at the strange fireside several days after this adventure there was a great to-do in the capital of the kingdom the court of the king's palace was filled with halberdiers who clanked their pikes upon the pavement and everywhere there was excitement and agitation it was in the throne-room however that this bustle was at its height for there the most powerful princes of the earth were gathered to engage in a struggle of courtesy as to who should conquer snowheart first came the nephew of the emperor of trebizond and bent the knee i command more armed men said he than there are leaves in all the forest and in my coffers there are more pearls than there are stars in the sky will you my princess reign over my people and adorn yourself with my pearls what is it he says asked the princess pettishly and that was all the notice she took of him 
Next came the son of the king of Matakin, and knelt before her. Young as I am, said he, I have already conquered the most powerful knights in tourney, and with a single stroke of my sword I have cut off the hundred heads of a dragon which devoured all the newborn babes and maidens of my kingdom. O oh, princess, will you share my glory, which with you will grow yet brighter? He has spoken so low, said the princess, yawning, that I really don't know what he has talked about. Then came other princes boasting on their power, their riches, and their glory. Following these came poets with tender words sung to a sweet accompaniment upon the guitar, knights who had fought in perilous fights to preserve fair women, and pages almost as beautiful as the princess herself. "'What do all these people want?' asked Snowheart, crossly. "'I wish somebody would ask them to leave.' Their chatter wearies me, and I long to be alone, that I may admire myself in the mirror. Ah, little one, little one, said the nurse, be careful you do not irritate the good fairies. At this moment there advanced a miserable lout, hideous in face, crooked in person, and limping beneath the weight of an enormous hump. The courtiers, who were at the foot of the throne, stepped forward to drive him away, but he continued to draw nearer, and with the end of a sprig of wild bean he touched the cold bosom of Snowheart. At the touch the princess instantly started to her feet. "'I love him! I love him!' she cried, as she felt her heart take fire and melt in tenderness. You can easily imagine the excitement that followed, but the king for once kept his word and allowed his daughter to follow the hideous woodchopper to the withered forest. There they lived most unhappily together, for her love did not blind her so much that she could not see how unworthy was the wretched creature who had warmed her heart at last. And this was the punishment of Snowheart. End of chapter 6